Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Very happy holiday to all you out there in Dolphin land. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, July the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to open up the floor to the fans, your questions, your comments, anything you put in that mailbag thread. We're going to get to it here on this podcast or tomorrow's podcast. Plus, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the All-American quarterback, and his top 10 plays from 2018. And Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald drops a notebook piece on July 3rd. So we are going to talk some Dolphins football to kick things off. But first, before any of that... I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In. However you get your podcasts, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. I saw a lot more reviews up there recently, kind of burying some of those troll one-star posts. So I appreciate you guys for doing that. Give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And of course, all the written content up on LockedOnDolphins.com, which has been the number one site in the Locked On Network for over a year now. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast for all your NBA free agency news, and the Locked On NFL podcast to get you through the summer on the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right into this podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I was planning on not really talking about the Miami Dolphins football team today, but as I'm sitting here recording this podcast right around 3 o'clock out here in the West on Wednesday afternoon, Barry Jackson drops a piece up on the Miami Herald detailing some of the things that we've covered here on this podcast rather extensively as we are wont to do as it pertains to some of the things that maybe don't get talked about a lot in the national media or even the mainstream media or I guess we could say old media, as it were, as far as the beat guys go in South Florida. But Barry Jackson dropped some nuggets talking about Bobby McCain playing that safety role and how the Dolphins are feeling pretty comfortable with having him back at free safety. This article, I should say, up on Miami Herald is titled, The Dolphins Made Several Moves in Their Defensive Backfield. Here's Where Things Stand. And again, nothing too earth-shattering, but talking about McCain playing in safety safety in the base package and nickel package, but also playing safety and slot cornerback in the dime package with Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. They also talk about Eric Rowe being the favorite for the number two cornerback gig. I don't think that surprises anybody, though he does mention that he had his own struggles. Barry Jackson mentions that Eric Rowe had his struggles during the open portions of OTAs to the media. But again, that's only five practices out of 12. And the fact of the matter still remains, we don't always know what's being asked of certain players on certain plays, especially in practice. He talks about Minka Fitzpatrick being the slot cornerback primarily, but also working on the perimeter when the team goes to base defense. Now remember, this base defense is going to be the nickel defense. You're going to see that probably 80% or so of the time with other sub packages counting for more than that as well. So the actual base defense you're going to get probably accounts for about 15 to 10%. But of course that makes sense to play Fitzpatrick out wide when you only have two cornerbacks on the field. Who would you rather have out there, Eric Rowe or Minka Fitzpatrick? Pretty obvious answer. So Fitzpatrick stays out wide when they need three cornerbacks. Rowe comes on the field and goes outside. 
Fitzpatrick kicks inside. Pretty obvious stuff we're talking about here. He goes into more detail and more depth on the linebacker position and how there's probably going to be more three down linemen sets than four down linemen. And of course, that means 3-3 three, three defense because, again, the base defense is five defensive backs in the backfield. He goes on to talk about Jamal Wiltz, a player we've talked about here on the podcast, a Patriots practice squad player from last year, impressing. They think that Rashad Jones is going to be here maybe this year and beyond, that he and Brian Flores have built a solid relationship together, and that seems to be the growing consensus among Dolphins beat writers. And, of course, his final concern, how do you find snaps for the six defensive backs atop the depth chart with Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, and Bobby McCain, and maybe even Eric Rowe, and Barry, of course, details the fact that New England ran dime defense, six defensive backs, 27% of their defensive snap snaps last year in 2018. So this is all stuff we've covered on the podcast. We're going to have Kevin Dern on the podcast on Sunday to go even more in depth and get you a better idea of some of these different lineup rotations that could be featured in Miami. The 3-2-6, for instance, like Barry mentions in this piece, we're going to have more for you guys on that over the weekend on Locked on Dolphins podcast, as well as LockedOnDolphins.com, as Kevin currently writes. But with that, let's go ahead and change gears here and get to some of your Twitter questions, some of your Twitter comments. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter for your questions, your comments, whatever you want to talk about on today's podcast. We're going to do it. Let's go ahead and start that right now. And the first one here comes in from Vincent DeMeo at DeMeo Vincent on Twitter. Easy enough. Do we have a backup plan at fullback? It seems like fullback could be a big part of the offense and we are relying on a seventh round rookie. A very, very legitimate concern there, Vincent. And I think that you probably look at a guy like Nick O'Leary, maybe even some Durham Smythe. It might not be the traditional true fullback in the sense of Chandler Cox, but maybe more of an H-back because Nick Nick O'Leary did a lot of that last season. So it could just be based upon what they like in their personnel. That's the type of offensive package they're going to go towards and gear things towards. So if Chandler Cox isn't a guy they feel worthy of getting snaps, then they're just not going to run him onto the field because they want to have a fullback. They'll use Nick O'Leary in the H-back role, use more 12 personnel, and basically just find different ways to get the best players onto the field. Next question here comes in from Chiodo Palafox, and there's no way I'm getting that one right. It's at Money Flippin' Jesus on Twitter. If the Dolphins don't draft two a next season, which position do they go for instead of quarterback? I do think they'll probably look at the top defensive ends in the draft, whether it's Chase Young and A.J. Epinesa, guys that can play those combo roles, seven technique, five technique, off-ball linebacker, all that fun stuff. And I also think this wide receiver class really, really garners some interest from teams like Miami that have big receiver needs. There are probably four or five number one type receivers in next year's draft. Next question from Eric Dominguez. He's at Erico9994. What are your tips for a perfect burger? None of that frozen stuff, the real deal. The main thing you have to do in making an actual burger, one that you actually put the meat together, is you have to find some type of solution that keeps it compact and keeps it together because nothing is worse than when you go to grill a burger and it falls apart on the grill, it cooks unevenly, and you just can't keep the integrity of that burger together. Now, whether you want to use something like Crisco or whatever it might be that holds the integrity of that burger together, also chop up some onions and some jalapenos and peppers and get that thing in there and make yourself an authentic all-American burger. Next question from Anthony Meester. He's at Meester Tweets. Do you have any odd food habits like putting mayo on fries, orange juice in your cereal, or like maybe eating toilet paper? That's a phenomenal question. I think I've shown you guys several times on Twitter that I'm pretty much addicted to energy drinks at this point. I think the weirdest food, and it's not even food, it's a liquid, it's water. And the weirdest thing about my consumption of 
of products, whether it's food or liquids, is that I like my drinks to be absolutely ice cold. And pretty much throughout the course of the day, I'm putting my glass of water into the freezer and taking it out in and out, in and out all day long, making sure that it's always at 32 degrees or maybe even less poured over multiple ice cubes. Every liquid I drink has to be cold. The energy drinks, Diet Coke, whatever it is, put it in the freezer for 10 minutes before you drink it. Like when I go to a gas station, for instance, I usually don't want to buy a drink that I have to drink on the road because by the time I'm five minutes down the road, it's not cold enough for me anymore. So all liquids have to be basically frozen for me to want to drink them. Okay, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and get to more of these questions. I'm loving the theme of these questions on the mailbag today, the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, and they tell us to make these Blue Chew reads personal and to rewrite them ourselves. And I think that today was a pretty easy parallel to draw between erection medicine and the 4th of July and fireworks and hot dogs. All the jokes write themselves. So if your hot dog is sitting off the side of the grill and can't get itself cooked and boiled up, if you don't have the proper rocket power to get your fireworks off the ground, you got to check out bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, playing catch with your boy. The wife goes back inside and sends you that little wink. Whenever it is, day or night, over the grill, under the fireworks, even on a stomach full of burgers and hot dogs, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Just because you're wearing your Air Monarchs with your spatula in your hand and your apron that says kiss the cook draped over your Tommy Bahama shirt doesn't mean you can't get yourself a little extra action in the bedroom with more functionality and more confidence where it counts. Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance like Julian Edelman does every year for the Patriots. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code, Locked on. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And on this All-American Day, we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. patriotic lead-in back into the Twitter mailbag here on the Thursday 4th of July special edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Thank you for spending your holiday with me for a half an hour here. We're going to come back on tomorrow's podcast and get back into more football type of questions. Even though we've got plenty of football questions here in the mailbag and we jump back in with Michael. He is at Michael and then his phone number. I don't want to read it out for you guys. What are the defining features that lead to the film Independence Day 2 being bad and no one liking it? I've never seen it. I think it's probably just an indictment of remaking movies in general or trying to recreate magic that has previously happened. You go to a theater these days and it's like Godzilla or Child's Play, Chucky, whatever it's called, Men in Black, Toy. All these movies are being remade. Originality is lost on Hollywood, which is too bad because there's plenty of creative minds in Hollywood 
Like Jordan Peele, for instance, can write the hell out of a movie, and we're not empowering those guys as much as we are just giving these remakes and reboots and damn Marvel movies, which I know a lot of you don't agree with, but I'm tired of seeing the same movies over and over again, and that's where Independence Day probably struck out on the second time around. Next question from Chris Trejo, at Chris Trejo on Twitter. If you had to pick a single-season quarterback season as the floor for what you want to see from Rosen this year to keep him as our future quarterback, which QB season would it be? Well, the truth is, is there only has been like three or four good quarterback seasons in terms of Miami Dolphins play over the last two decades. I'm not going to say Chad Pennington because that was very good. I'll take one of Ryan Tannehill's two good seasons, 2014, and probably more so 2016 because he played within the structure of the offense and let his playmaking ability take over when it had to, but he played smart, safe, and sound football that year. If Josh Rosen can do that, make some big-time plays off script, and make some big-time plays in the fourth quarter like Tannehill did that season, I'd be very happy with that. Next question from Drew Smith at DRWW Smith on Twitter. Second favorite NFL team right now, it's the Arizona Cardinals, and it changes most years based upon which NFC dark horse I think can make some noise is typically who I go with. This year, it's the Cardinals because I love Kyler Murray. I think that he transforms the NFL and transcends the position in a way that we haven't seen before, going back to Mike Vick and what he was supposed to be. So give me the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury's fun offense down there in the desert. Next question from False Hope at 8-8 eight and eight for life. Is the, hot dog con- is the hot dog considered a sandwich? I'm going to say no. I don't think a hot dog really has a genus that it belongs to on the food pantheon or the food pyramid, whatever you want to call it. I think that hot dogs are pretty much disgusting for the most part. Like I can have one hot dog, but if I have a second one, the taste begins to get grosser and grosser on me. And I'm not sure if it's my actual taste buds that are reacting or if it's more of a psychological thing where I start thinking about the fact that there's pig ass in there and whatever else goes into a hot dog. I just, it grosses me out after one. I'm much more of a burger guy, but I think that no, a hot dog is not a sandwich just because it's on bread doesn't make it a sandwich. Next question comes from FU all the time. He's at Ralph Harper on Twitter. Honey mustard or plain pretzels? Give me plain. I'm not really a mustard guy. When it comes to the condiment family, I'm all about that ketchup. Kind of like my man Mike P.S. on Twitter. You guys know who he is, I'm sure. Not ketchup on steaks, but ketchup on french fries, ketchup on hash browns. Pretty much anything potato related. Give me the ketchup. As far as a pretzel, not going to do that. But I like the cheese sauce for a pretzel. That's definitely the go-to when it comes to pretzels. Next question comes from Jeffrod Dioji, and I know I butchered that one. He's at Jeffrod Dioji on Twitter. I would love to know the time period for Albert Wilson's comeback. Is he going to be ready for minicamp or the season opener? Talked about this on yesterday's podcast, but I, I think he should be out there. The overall effectiveness and the explosiveness, I have no idea what to expect. He wasn't out there for OTAs the entire offseason program. I think you might see him slowly worked back into training camp, but if he starts the year on PUP, it wouldn't surprise me. Next question from Simon Kirby at Simon PFC. Which position group would you most like to go out for a night with? Who would be the most fun and why? And speaking of nights out, you're in Miami for the Jets game. You should come hang out with me and -and so-and-so. Yeah, definitely. I would love to hang out with anybody that's in town for that Dolphins and Jets game on November the 3rd, but also December the 22nd against the Bengals. I'll be in town for that one as well. So if anyone's looking to meet up in the first week of November or uh, around Christmas time in December, let me know. But as far as which position group, I think I'm going to go with the offensive line because offensive linemen just always seem to have fun. And I think 
they are the ones that can drink the most. So you're probably going to see guys doing keg stands, chugging beers, maybe getting in bar fights, just being a fly on the wall with those guys. Plus the fact that offensive line meetings under the Mike Pouncey and Richie Incognito days were held at Tootsie's, the gentleman's club down there in South Florida. How can you go wrong with that? And I think if I didn't answer this next question from Vero Delfino at Dolphins Rule All on Twitter, I would have the entire fourth and inches hive coming after me for exactly one Lombardi, so one Super Bowl, at some random point in the next 10 years, would you balance an M80 on the end of your member and set it off? No, that's not worth it because you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your entire package. And I don't want to, I mean, I want to see a Dolphins Super Bowl as bad as the next guy, but I'm not willing to sacrifice the most valuable thing every man has. So that's a no from me. Next question here comes in from Leighton Stauffer at Stauffer underscore Leighton. Do you have any 4th of July traditions slash activities planned? Do you have any football traditions that you embark on when the season begins? Uh, as far as the football traditions, I just watch as much as I possibly can, like 12 hours a day on Saturday, nine hours on Sunday. I can't get enough of football, especially live. That drama action is just so much fun every weekend. At the end of the year, me and the wife, the week after Super Bowl, go up to Seattle for a weekend trip that involves no sports, no Mariners games, no anything. We just kind of detach from the sports world, and that's like her tradition that I have for her. But as far as 4th of July... Not really on that front either. As a kid, we used to go up to my grandma's house who lived in Idaho, a step-great-grandmother actually, where it was legal because in my hometown, it was not legal to light off your own fireworks. So we always went up there, stopped on the Indian reservations, and just bought the entire standout and went nuts. So that was fun. Nowadays, my town I live in now, it is legal here as well. So the wife and I will probably get a blanket, some whiskey, go sit on the front lawn and just watch the fireworks. It'll be a nice, quiet 4th of July for us. Next question from Mark Rutherford at Sasquatch213. Which is the bigger, better holiday for you, 4th of July or Thanksgiving? No question, hands down, 100% Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite things all bottled up into one day, especially when the Dolphins are not playing because I get to sit back and watch football, usually bet on the games. And recently with my wife now in the picture, we go over to her dad's house and he likes to have a good time. His entire, Their entire family loves to have a good time. So it's basically just whiskey and vodka football, turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and gravy. So food, football, family, and alcohol, you just can't go wrong. Thanksgiving is by far my favorite holiday. Next question here before we go to the last break from Kevin Gerard at Kevin Gerard 13 on Twitter. Can you break down your personal assessments of Josh Allen and Sam Darnold? How worried should we be? I'll, I'll tell you guys off the top. I haven't gotten too far into their tape. I've watched the way the Dolphins defended those guys last year. The two Sam Darnold games, he was dreadful. And it basically perpetuated the things that I was worried about from him coming out of college in that he doesn't really value ball security, both holding onto the football under pressure in the pocket and making poor decisions. And while I think that Darnold is advanced from a playmaking standpoint, from a processing standpoint, and he's mostly pretty accurate, he tends to run into some trouble sometimes. And you can do 20 good things in a game and you make two mistakes and that's what stands out. And that's kind of who Sam Darnold has been to me throughout his career, both in college and the NFL. I think he has the higher floor of the two between Josh Allen and he, but Josh Allen has all that upside. And Jason Harina, my staff editor at LockedOnDolphins.com, he and I saw Josh Allen at that Dolphins game last year from the press box, and Allen was just too much for that Dolphins defense to handle because of what he offered as a runner, off script, and breaking the pocket and making things happen down the field. But he also had three or four missed throws in that game that basically cost the Bills that game. I... 
I don't think he's going to get the accuracy straightened out because that's something you pretty much either inherently have or you do not have. So Darnold is better in that regard. But I think that Josh Allen, with the way the structure of that offense is built, if they can put a good running game around him, he can be dynamic and deadly. I tend to worry more about Josh Allen in that system and that scheme than I do Sam Darnold with Adam Gase because I do believe that in the next two years, the Jets will change head coaches and offenses again and Darnold's progression will be stunted. So give me Josh Allen with the upside. Give me Sam Darnold with the floor and Josh Rosen probably falls somewhere in between that. All right, we're going to come back on the next side of the podcast and get to more of your Twitter questions here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Another opportunity to say happy 4th of July to all of you Dolphins fans and football fans, as well as the Americans and overseas listeners. I thank you all for spending today on the podcast, your holiday with me here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Let's go ahead and jump back into the mailbag. This one comes from Reparic. He's at Reparic on Twitter. What is your opinion of sports like cornhole and axe throwing becoming bigger on ESPN? I think the ESPN has to find a way to make themselves relevant outside of their live sports package like football and baseball and basketball because no one cares about their stupid agenda-based politics type of coverage on sports. It just got way too much and way down your throat, and I think they're trying to find a way to captivate a new audience. This ESPN ate the Ocho crowd, and Cornhole's popular. I Cornhole, I guess, is fun to play at a barbecue or at a party, but why the hell would I want to watch it? I, I just I don't understand. I think it's beyond dumb, but people like what they like, so have at it, ESPN. Next question comes in from Colin. He's at CSI underscore Nard underscore dog. Two questions. We'll see if we get both of them. One, what are the chances of Mark Walton becoming the third running back and any news on his legal situation? I do not know about his legal situation, but I think that he is right up there with Miles Gaskin for a chance to compete for that number three running back job. That's a lot of talent right there competing for a number three backup job in the backfield. I like this Dolphins backfield a lot. I don't know about his legal situation. Number two, I heard Seattle is getting an NHL team. You going to become a fan or attend any games? I'll probably go to a couple of games, but I just can't get into hockey. It's not for me. It's just not my sport. So, But I am looking forward to the Sonics coming back to town. If that ever happens, I'll become a huge Sonics fan if they return to Seattle. Next question here from George T. Exley at GT, the X-Man. Would you take Jalen Thompson or pass and save the draft capital to ensure our quarterback of the future can be drafted? Well, I don't think that's an either or thing. It's not mutually exclusive to one another. I think Jalen Thompson could be had for probably a fourth or fifth round pick in the supplemental draft. And if that's what prevents you from finding a quarterback in the draft, then I think you're doing something wrong. So I think give me Jalen Thompson now. Two in the hand is worth more than one in the bush, so to speak. And I think that the Dolphins probably going to be in position to get someone they like in the top 10 next year. And even if they take that draft pick away, they have plenty of capital to move up and go get their guy. So give me both Jalen Thompson and the quarterback. This one comes in from Clinton Parrott at Clint Parrott on Twitter. July 4th, barbecue, chicken, burgers, or brats. Give me the burgers all day because one, I think preparation and and actual cooking time is the easiest with burgers and they taste so damn good. Although barbecue cannot be outdone most times either. So if you have like ribs, I'll go ahead and do that. But really my favorite thing to cook on the grill is burgers all day long. Okay, we've got three more here on the original tweet that I put out. If I didn't get to your question in the other thread. I'll probably get to it on tomorrow's podcast. This one comes in from Arturo Aguirre, and I know I butchered that as well, man. I'm sorry for that. He's at Turo23. 
One football and one non-football question. Is it too much of a bold prediction to say the Finns will have a top 10 defense in 2019? Yeah, I believe so because they just haven't gotten all the parts they want to run this exact scheme. I think it's going to be a lot better, but I think top 10's asking for too much. And his second question is Xbox or PlayStation. I've had a PlayStation 1, 2, and 3. I don't play video games anymore, so I stopped right there. But I never owned an Xbox, and I had three PlayStations. So if you guys are looking for some heat on FIFA 2012 or MLB The Show 2013, or if you want to throw things back old school and go Madden like 2007... I'll take anybody in any of those games. This one comes in from Life Fighter at Brand Anderson 7474. The fourth is my birthday. My dad made me believe everyone at the fireworks were there for me when I was young. My childhood was a lie, lol. Anyway, I can get a shout out to fieldchatter.com. It's a fan message board for fans, and the more the better. Yeah, so check out fieldchatter.com. There's the shout out. And then we've got one more in here from a cryptocurrency Bitcoin sales guy. I don't need to answer spam on the podcast. So with that, let's go ahead and button things up here again. Thank you guys all for checking out the 4th of July edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. We're going to come back tomorrow and get you some more information. I just got my hands on that Warren Sharp football magazine, which is just top shelf content. If you haven't seen it, it's like 35 bucks, but it's well worth it. You'll learn a lot about football in that piece. We're going to talk about the Dolphins opponents from that magazine down the next couple of weeks. We'll have the training camp preview edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast for 11 consecutive days, taking a look at every single position group. And we'll also have Kevin Dern on Sunday's feature podcast to break down his Dolphins defensive manifesto. It's fantastic. You guys will not want to miss that. And I do want to remind you guys about the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. The top 10 Ryan Fitzpatrick plays from 2018. That guy is so entertaining and so all-American. The beard, the cake eating, the celebration, the fact that he's a Harvard dude out there who looks like he's conducting an anthropological study. I just love me some Ryan Fitzpatrick. I hope he has some success with my Miami this year. And that is a great note to get out of here for this podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. And keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Happy 4th, everybody. Oh,